there's a guy in the New Testament, his name is Timothy. And Timothy is one of my favorite people in scripture. And one of the reasons that I like Timothy so much is because Timothy is a young man when we meet him. We meet him in Acts chapter 16. And, and in Acts chapter 16, when we were first introduced to Timothy, the Bible tells us that Timothy was a young man that had people, people respected him. He had the favor of others you know, because the favor of the Lord was resting on him. And people would look at Timothy and they would say, this is a godly young guy. This is a godly dude. This is a young man who loves the Lord and has a lot of potential and a lot of promise. So people respected Timothy. They admired Timothy. And then Paul, who was kind of like Timothy's pastor or his, you know, kind of like his student pastor, his youth pastor. Paul began to invest in Timothy's life. And one of the things that Paul did was Paul began to demand very difficult things from Timothy. He said, I'm going to expect great things out of Timothy. And so he, man, I tell you, he, he made him do some hard things. He made, him, he made him take big steps towards, number one, personal holiness, and number two, towards faithful and effective ministry. Okay? So he would say things. We have different things that Paul said to Timothy. Like He would say things like, don't let anybody despise your youth. In other words, don't let anybody look down on you because you're young. Don't let anybody look at you and say, well, you're just a kid. You don't know anything. He's like, he's like, you need to understand that you've been made righteous in Christ and the spirit of God lives in you. You're as much a temple of the living God as the greatest preacher is. Okay. Like that. And so he would say your, your age and your inexperience doesn't have anything to do with how God respects you. God simply looks at you and has purpose for you and has called you to holiness. Okay. And so I like that. Paul would talk to Timothy like that. I like to talk to students. I like to talk to young people and be hard on kids because you need to be faithful with what God's entrusted you with. Things like your testimony. Things like the gospel that is what saved you and set you apart. Things like your body and your relationships and your sexuality. You need to be faithful to guard what God's entrusted you with. And Paul said to Timothy, don't let anybody despise you or look down on you or, 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 or be judgmental of you because you're faithful to the gospel. If you're being faithful to God's call on your life, then it doesn't matter what else is going on around you. Be faithful to what God's called you to. Paul would say that to Timothy. At one point, Paul says to Timothy, I want you to treat people in the most pure and holy way. He says, I want you to honor older people. I want to tell you something. One of, the, one of the most effective things you can do for your spiritual growth as young people is show respect to people that are older than you. Especially people that are in the faith, people that are believers. Listen to what they have to say. Learn from them. Paul says, don't let anybody look down on you, Timothy. But also, you need to show older men respect. And older women, you need to treat them with honor and respect. Then he says this to him in 1 Timothy chapter 5. He's, he says, what I want you to do is I want you to treat younger women as sisters in absolute purity. Treat them as sisters in absolute purity. He says, I want you to treat younger men as brothers. And, 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 and he's painting this really cool picture where he's saying, the way that I want you to treat people in relationships that you have with them is I want you to guard them as your spiritual sisters in Christ. That you understand that young men, that you understand that the young ladies that are in this room are God's daughters. And as such, he is, if I could use this term, he is an angry father. He is a violent daddy when it comes to protecting his daughters. You need to understand that. Girls, you need to understand that God is a violent daddy. I'm a violent daddy. I'm a psycho daddy. I'm going to tell you right now. I'm, I, am a, I am a psychotic daddy when it comes to my daughters and their purity. 
And God is a violent, jealous God. And when we talk about God being jealous, we get nervous. And we say, it's not good to be jealous. Well, it is good to be jealous if it's holy jealousy. If it flows from the nature and the character of God. God demands worship of himself. He demands that his glory be on display, untainted, undefiled in our lives. Because he knows, first off, because that's his character. But then also for us, he knows that's the only place we're going to be able to share in the most fullest glorious way in God's character. And that's going to bring us the most satisfaction. And so what he does is he demands righteousness from us. And he's jealous for our worship. I'm jealous for my wife. That's a good thing. It could be a negative thing if it's sinful jealousy. But it's not a negative thing when it's holy jealousy. You know, like, if my wife came home to me and said, you know, there's this guy that I met at the grocery store, you know, because... This is a small town. There's not many places to meet people in Andrews. You already know everybody. And literally, I know everybody. And, and so, <clears throat> I met this guy. He's a really nice guy, you know. And I just, we just hit it off. You know, we're standing there in the, in the cereal aisle. And, you know, we like the exact same kind of cereal. And I started looking in his shopping cart. And it's like, we got so much in common. And, and so, we started talking about music. And he likes the same bands I like. And... This guy's awesome, and he's, and he's, you know, I mean, he's not, he's not unattractive, but I mean, it's not like a physical thing, you know, it's just, so I was just thinking maybe on Friday evening, you could keep the kids, and, and he and I, we were just going to go have coffee, like, we're not going to do anything, he's not going to touch me, we're just going to have coffee. Well, I'm going to have coffee too, from the Cherokee County Jail, because <laughs> that's where they're going to have to put me when I catch that cat with my wife. Right. And it, and you know what ain't going to work? Oh, it wasn't physical. I wasn't touching her. You know, we just, we're just sharing it. Like, no, that's, that's an intimate thing. The relationship that I have with my wife is for me and her. And the relationship that Jesus Christ has for you is for you and him. And there are certain things that you are not at liberty to share with other people. And, and Paul says to Timothy, treat one another in absolute purity. That means, he says, not just physically, but in the things you say, and the things you entertain, and the way that you flirt, and the emotions that you share and extend to one another. You've got to guard your purity, guys. You've got to guard it. One of my favorite things that Paul says to Tim- Timothy is in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 22. He says this. So, flee youthful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love, peace, along with those who call on the name of the Lord from a pure heart. Flee youthful passions. He's right in the middle of teaching Timothy. This is the last words that he'll ever say to Timothy. And he's teaching him how to be a godly man. And he says, and I want to say this to y'all this morning. In this first session, here's, this is the big point. This is the point. If you're going to treat one another in absolute purity, hands off, brains off, emotions off of one another, that you're preserving that which is pure in one another as brothers and sisters, And if the brother and sister thing doesn't work, then guys, treat the ladies in your student ministry or at your school as someone else's wife. And treat them as you would want your wife to be treated. Treat it. See my ugly mug and treat it like it's my wife. Treat the girls in your life as if they're someone else's wife. Treat them that way. Guard their purity. Don't play games with their hearts. Ladies, ladies. Guard your hearts. Guard your hearts. Because the problem is not usually that you're not guarding your body. It's that you're not guarding your heart. So you'll use your body 
to get the heart needs met. And what you'd end up doing is drinking from that septic water because you're thirsty. Why does the world act like it acts? Because it's thirsty. The world is thirsty. And we have living water. And we don't have to thirst the way they thirst. So guard relationships. Paul says one of the first things you've got to understand, Timothy, if you're going to guard these relationships, is you've got to learn how to flee youthful passions and temptations and desires that are put in front of you. Learn how to run away. Learn how to run away. What's that look like? Learn how to, learn. It's, I mean, it's like, learn how to run away. It's not even that, really that deep. It's like, run away from evil. Don't run to it. You know, it's, and it's not, I'm not saying you need to become a monk and live, you know, in a cave somewhere, spinning those little Buddhist wheels. Y'all don't even know what I'm talking about. I'm out, I've been in India for two weeks. Um, it was weird. They just live up there, these monks in this, this these synagogue. It's not a synagogue, it's Jewish. It's like a cave thing. It's like a temple thingy. And then, and if they would touch a girl, they would take seven days of cleansing and purification. If they brush shoulders with a girl, I'm like, dude, you're jacked up. That's messed up. Okay. So it's not like fleeing youthful passions is not go hide in a cave somewhere, you know, and be an idiot and, and like cut yourself off from society. But it is, you need to understand that, that, and I mean, guys, especially I can't help but come at the guys. A young lady's body is sacred, holy ground. That is, you do not have the authority to defile that. And the way you touch it or look at it or feel about it or think about it. So what you might have to do is learn how to run away. Learn how to run away. I mean, it's sometimes that's simple. It's like, well, you know, if you've got a porn addiction, then it's easy. You just... Don't go in front of a computer. And you're like, oh, I can't. I have to for school. Well, then put it in your, in your youth pastor's office and say, every Wednesday I'm getting here three hours early to do my homework for the week. Youth pastors are like, no, 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 don't do it. We got to come up with another plan. But I'm saying like practically your student pastor will help you. Somebody will help you, you know, find somebody that will help you figure out how to do what you need to do to put yourself in a situation where you're not running to the very thing that's dragging you away from Christ. You know, y'all remember Joseph? Y'all remember Joseph in the old Testament? Look, I got to take my suit coat off. <laughs> I'm getting hot. Y'all remember Joseph in the old Testament? Go to um, Genesis uh, chapter 39. Y'all remember Joseph was, what do you know about Joseph? He was Remember, he was the guy with the coat with all the different colors, and he got sold by his brothers into slavery. You remember that? And then so he goes into slavery, and he's a slave, but he's really, he's really smart, he's really talented, and eventually he makes his way up through the ranks, and he becomes like the chief over, basically like the vice president's house household. Okay, so he's in a very important position, all right? So let's read about Joseph, learn about how, what it looks like to flee from youthful lusts and passions. Uh, Genesis 39.1. Now Joseph had been brought down to Egypt and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, the captain of the guard, an Egyptian, had, brought, had bought him for, from the Ishmaelites who had brought him down there. The Lord was with Joseph and he became a successful man and he was in the house of his Egyptian master. So, so he was like successful. He was blessed by God. He's doing great things. God's given him favor. He's a single, he's a single cat, okay? He's not, he ain't got a woman. Right? He ain't got a wife. He ain't got a girlfriend. He ain't got... He's best we can tell at this point, I think. I think that's right. Anyway, he's not married to Potiphar's wife. 
I do know that because she's married to Potiphar. Okay. So if you jump down to uh, verse six, it says, so he left all that he had in Joseph's charge. Potiphar left everything in Joseph's charge. And because of him, he had no concern about anything but the food he ate. So he like trusted this guy. He's like, this guy's righteous. He's godly. He's holy. Honors the Lord. I can trust this guy. I can trust him. So he entrusts his whole house to this man. Trust his whole house to this. I think, man, if I, I travel a lot. I travel and preach and I'm on the road a lot, a lot. Seems like I think month of January, since, since January 1st, I've been home and slept in my bed like five nights. It's crazy. And I think if I'm, if I'm gone, I love to take my family with me. But if I'm not able to take them, then what kind of a man would I want to go stay at my house? Well, I haven't met him yet. <laughs> now, there's some guys here I would totally trust. There's some guys on this staff I would totally trust them to go over there, stay at my home with my wife and kids, and just be there for security's sake, and then sleep in the basement. No problem. I wouldn't have any, I mean, I would, I would trust them. There's guys here that, that have that kind of testimony. Okay? Joseph was one of those guys. But, here's, listen to this. Second part of verse six. Now, Joseph was handsome in form and appearance. <laughs> oh, ladies. Joseph had bronze skin <laughs> and large pectoral muscles <laughs> and a fine glute, gluteus maximus. <laughs> Whatever that word is. <laughs> and they didn't have guns back then, but he had some guns. Because he was handsome in form. Look, Joseph was a ladies' man. He wasn't no Bieber man. He was a, like, he was a man man. You know what I'm saying? He looked good. All the ladies, they love Joseph. He's like, he looked good. Joseph looked good. He's smart. He's bilingual. That means he speaks two languages. <laughs> he speaks Egyptian and Hebrew. That's a romantic man right there. Ooh, boo-boo, zee-zee, zee-zee. Start talking. He'd be singing sweet nothings in another language. He was, he was listen, this guy, like, he's a godly dude. And he's a, an attractive guy. And like, he's like, you know what I'm saying? He's like the total package. And after a time, his master's wife cast her eyes on Joseph and said, lie with me. Okay, this is like, okay, I'm going to be a little bit raw. Okay, it's a purity weekend. We're going to tackle some things. This would be modern terminology like, Joseph, let's get it on. Let's do this. Come on up to my room. It's like, Joseph. She'd come out looking good probably. My bet would be she was dressed very seductively. She comes down there. She literally asks him. Listen to me. She, guys, you need to understand this. Potiphar would not have been married to an unattractive woman. Okay? This, he was a, an elite, elite, elite man. And in that culture, wives were hand, for, for kings and royalty, they very carefully handpicked their wives. Y'all saw the veggie tale about Esther. Y'all saw that, didn't you? Y'all see that? All the girls got, all the celery's got to go, you know, through there. And he picked, he picked the celery he wanted. The one girl singing about dogs, remember that? Puppies are cuddly. Remember that? 
So they go through, and he picks the wife. He's like, mm, she looked good, but no, she kind of weird. No, she looked, mm, no, she, ooh, mm, that one. I'll take her. Like, he handpicked his wife, okay? She was very, very seductive. Listen, the Egyptian culture, we say, man, we live in this culture. It's so hard. It's just, in our culture, you know, like, there's sexual images everywhere, and it's just difficult. It's not the same. Let me tell you something. The Egyptian culture was seductive and sexual beyond anything we can imagine. They worshipped gods of sexuality, which I, I think we could argue that the same goes for our culture. But in that culture, they identified them as that. Listen, this woman was attractive and seductive, and she comes to him and says, come lie with me. Come to my room. Solomon warns his son about this in Proverbs. He's like, this woman, she prepares her bed. She, she offers her body to you. At that point, you know what Joseph doesn't do? Well, actually, what I believe about the doctrine of the atonement is, he's not like, I'm a man of God who understands Scripture. What does he do? He runs. He runs. He refused and said to his master's wife, Behold, because of me, my master has no concern about anything in the house, and he's put everything that he has in my charge. Um, I lost my place. He's not greater in this house than I am, nor has he kept back anything from me except yourself, because you're his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? And as she spoke to Joseph day after day, okay. So she comes to him. He says, no, goes away. She pursues him. How many guys have been like, I'm telling you, man. How many guys are like, she just wouldn't leave me alone. Oh, yeah, you're just that hot, you know. I mean, that's what it is. Every girl wants to be with you. She, day after day, the king's wife. I mean, this woman has authority too. It's like, it's a scary thing. He knows, man, you scorn this woman. You anger this woman. There's going to be repercussions. And day after day, she keeps, listen, guys, this goes on for days, days, days. She's coming to him and she's saying, please do this. Let's do this. Let's do this. And he just keeps resisting and resisting. But one day when he went into the house to do his work and none of the men of the house were there in the house, she caught him by his garment saying, lie with me. But he left his garment in her hand and fled and got out of the house. So after days and days and days and days and days and days of her tempting him and tempting him, and it's mostly verbal, which by the way, girls, let me tell you something. Dude, be careful how you talk, what you say how you present yourself. You know what you're doing about 90% of the time. You know exactly what you're doing. The way you talk and the things you say and the way you giggle and the way you move, you know what you're doing. You're presenting yourself in a certain line. God holds you accountable for what you do with the temple that he dwells in that is your body. He holds you accountable for that. The Bible says God's not, he doesn't dwell in temples made by human hands. He says, you are the temple of the living God, the dwelling place of the living God. Be careful what you do at the temple and how you present yourself. And this woman, she's coming to Joseph and she's saying the right things. And, she's, and he's fighting it. Guys, I want to fight like Joseph. He's fighting temptation. He's fighting temptation. He's fighting temptation. And finally, one day, she literally, physically jumps on him and grabs him and sexually assaults him. And what does he do? He runs. At that point, listen, I love this guy because he's like, 
I can't withstand this. I can't argue with this. He understands his own weakness and failure. He takes off running. And I wonder if, like, you know, he's a mile away from the house, and he's like, where, where am I running? I guess I can stop now. You know, he's just like, he just runs. He just goes. He just flees. And Paul says to Timothy, that's what we got to do. We got to flee, run away from, get away from youthful passions and lusts and desires. Learn how to do that. Learn how to flee. How do we do that? Well, first let me say this. In the next session, we're going to talk about how you run and flee from sin and what that looks like. But as we uh, kind of reel this thought in, let me, just, let me ask you this question. How do you typically, day-to-day, deal with sexual or emotional temptation and allurement? Do you have in your own mind, do you have a fight mentality where you're like, I can withstand this or I can fight this or I can stand up to this? That's good. You need that. Joseph, he resisted and resisted and resisted and resisted. But do you have a flee mentality? Do you have a runaway mentality? Is there a point where, where you're willing to run away from the temptation that's in front of you? Are you willing to do that? Because if you're not willing to do that, because here's the reality. I, if you're not willing to run away from temptation and run away from sin when it's presented to you and when it comes at you, if you're not willing to do that, then it's a matter of time till it's going to get hold of you. And you're not going to be able to shake it loose. Because it gets hold of Joseph. And for the first time, he says, okay, I can't argue with this. I can't withstand this. I'm not strong enough to endure this. But I can run. I can run. And he runs away. He runs away. I remember running away one time. I was a new believer from a situation where a girl, I was, I was talking to a girl. I was, I was y'all's age. I was probably, I was probably 18. This is like 20-something years ago. So don't picture me now with me. Picture really cool-looking guy with peg jeans and a mullet. <laughs> Got it? Sweet little, had a sweet little mustache. It was like just fuzzy, you know? It wasn't, wasn't really hair. It was more like fuzz. But I mean, this girl, I mean, this girl like making a physical or sexual advance and we're at a party and I remember I was I was a new believer and I remember and I I didn't really know the story but I remember thinking oh oh, what do I do what do I do and I just ran I took off running and I ran outside and I ran down the street and I caught her out with a buddy and went home for like the next two weeks people were talking about me at school I was was like okay so maybe I overreacted (laughs) but you know what I got away I got away where for years up to that point before I met Christ, I didn't run away. And I can look back at that with much more fondness and thankfulness to the Lord. And if you'll be faithful to fight and then to flee, God will be faithful to preserve your testimony and preserve your purity. And every time that you fight and every time that you flee, God will quicken and strengthen your resolve to do that. Paul says to Timothy, you've got to flee youthful passions. Don't like negotiate with them. I, love, I loved it. I love, you know who I love? Let me tell you who I love. SEAL Team 6. Y'all know who they are? Them guys, man. I mean, I don't know much about them other than what's on the news. We got a kid that worked here. Some of y'all know him, Josh Morris. He worked here on staff, and he is now, he's a SEAL. He's a Navy SEAL. And so he got a break in training and came here over Christmas, and we got to talk. And I was like, dude, what's up with SEAL Team 6? He's like, man. He said, there's like 3,000 of us. 
I was like, that'd be cool to, to refer to the Navy SEALs as us. He said, there's 3,000 of us. And he said, SEAL Team 6 is like the top 10% or something. They get selected. I was like, whoa. As a dude, you know, you're like, whoa, that's awesome. I like SEAL Team 6 because you know what they don't do? They don't negotiate with terrorists. They didn't call Bin Laden and be like, hey, we were thinking about coming over and negotiating some things with you. Is that cool? Did they? No, they just went over there and, yeah, I mean, they did what they did. They didn't negotiate. And, and I think one of the things we need to understand is you, you and I cannot afford to negotiate with temptation. Can't. You can't reason with it and think through it. You just got to fight. And when you can't fight, you got to run and learn to run. Next session, we're going to talk about how you run and where you run. But right now, what we're going to do, I'm going to close this in prayer. And you're going to go to your small groups and talk about this. What's it look like to flee? Are you fleeing? Do you have a, do you have a plan to flee, a strategy to resist and then flee? What's that look like? And let's talk through that. And we'll be back in here in about an hour. Okay, Lord, I pray that you would take the, the time that we have. Uh, this, this next half hour or so just to sit in small groups and, and, and talk for the next half hour, 40 minutes, whatever. And, and that you would begin to unpack for us some practical ideas and, and understanding of what our responsibility is when it comes to sin and temptation that we would understand, understand as, as the great Puritan writer, I believe Thomas Watson said that, that we need to understand that temptation is the bait on the hook that Satan dangles in front of our flesh. And that we would learn to not take that bait. But that we would understand that we have to be violent in the way that we run away from that. Or the way that we assault that and fight it. And the way that we deal with temptation. I pray that you would give us a fighter's mentality when it comes to this. But also that you would give us a retreater's mentality. To, to learn how to retreat and flee and run away when that is the, the, the best course for us to take. So pray you'd give us your favor in the next few minutes as we meet together. In your name, Jesus. Amen.